Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 126, The Bottom of the Bearable. I looked extra close at the photo on one of the two mirror-trim packages the clerk handed to me. Yep, that was my face, all right. I looked back up at the clerk. He was a chubby kid with a big mop of reddish curls and gold-rimmed glasses. He grinned. You like that, huh? I just then realized I was smiling. Yeah, thanks. No sweat, chief. He pulled the key out of the shelf lock and waddled away. I got in the checkout line. It was a long line, and I didn't care. I was in a world unto myself, as my eighth-grade teacher used to say when she caught me daydreaming. All I could think was, Here it is, ya fucks. Ya wannabes. Pauly makes a living doing this shit. But between me and you and the billion or so other people who will eventually read this book, that last part about making a living was a lie. Makes a living is pretty much a showbiz euphemism for makes money. Talent doesn't actually make a living in showbiz. Even the people making money in it don't make a living in it. Oh sure, superstars do. And TV show regulars. And wannabe pundits with little internet video shows who get tons of fans by repeating the latest political cliches to webcams. And chicks who sign up to be freelance porn stars. But actual talent... Acting talent? Talent has a day job. Or is living with someone who's a dentist or a stockbroker and splitting the rent. Don't believe me? Okay. Watch any commercial. See that celeb or minor celeb or pseudo-celeb? If they could make a living in the biz, they wouldn't need to pitch Corvafil or Gold Bars or McGeezer cruise lines. Or maybe you think they grew up dreaming of the day they'd be able to sell vast quantities of blood sugar meters and hair club memberships. I looked at the Majelco package again as I stepped one fat guy closer to the cashier. Cool, I thought. But now I noticed there was something weird about the photo. Fuck, you can't see my whole face. Yeah, the photo part of the packaging showed me using the trimmer, but you could only see the lower half of my face with a mirror trim stuck in my nose. My eyes and forehead were cut off. Gone. But I have a pretty distinctive jawline, especially if I hold the package up next to my head and ask you to compare. Then I guess it's pretty obvious it's me in the photo. But nobody would be staring at me on the street about it. And definitely when I caught the eye of some babe at a go there'd be no, I'm the mirror trim guy, followed by a little girly gasp and, oh, I thought I recognized you. So that was a little bit of a letdown. But overall, right now, I didn't care. I was already planning my return to Whispers' tobacco factory where I'd say, Hey kids, look what Polly found at the drugstore. Him! And I did exactly that. 
I stomped back into the factory room and pulled out the two packages and held them next to my head. Hey, kids. Look what Polly found at Read Right. Me. So everybody back there dropped what they were doing and looked at it. Squire took one of the packages and said, Wow, this is you? Yep. I've been a model now for, oh, what is it, 15 years? I, I kept talking, but out of the so-called corner of my eye, which was also the corner of my ear, because I could hear silence, where there should have been the sound of babes moaning my name. I noticed everybody was kind of dead-faced, staring at the photo on the package like I'd handed them a problem in integral calculus. Bang was squinting at it over Fonda's shoulder and suddenly both his eyes got really wide and he reared back laughing. You're picking your nose with a metal finger, he roared. He literally doubled over. I'm not kidding. He clutched his gut and dropped to a squat like his legs couldn't hold him. I was about to say, laying it on a little thick, ain't ya? When suddenly everyone broke into a loud and screaming and what you might call torrential laughter. <laughs> Like the time in college when we all laughed at Parp because a condom popped out of his wallet during rehearsal. He was playing a cop flashing his badge. That was funny. This was not funny. They were completely missing the point. But the metal finger idea of bangs was just too irresistible, I guess. You could even say it was contagious. Squire who I pictured in my head as the witless child of a promiscuous single mom, passed the package back to me and said, Hey, Paul, I don't have metal boogers. <laughs> Cammie loved it. Metal boogers. Oh, my God. She looked at the package again and laughed and laughed. Bang would not let it die. It was now officially stand-up material. This is perfect, he said. I live for this shit. He couldn't stop riffing. Hey, Paul, yank the missile with that finger. And if you can get that thing to vibrate, you'll be dating every 50-year-old housewife in Westchester County. And so this is why the metal detectors go off when you pick your nose at the airport. <laughs> he held the package up until everyone stopped laughing. Then he said in his announcer voice, Brain surgery, the future. Everyone howled. And you know, there was hatred in that howling because the joke just wasn't that funny. People, they were being cruel. And why? All I want is what we all want in the biz, in spite of what Parp and Cammie and Junior say about craft and art and living at the bottom of the bearable. I want what any man wants who doesn't spend hours every day questioning his so-called precepts. I want blowjobs. And you'd think, you'd think I could get one, wouldn't you? Without first scaling the walls of some fortress, without paying for it and from someone willing to admit I'm the kind of guy rock stars would carry down the beach on their shoulders. And you know who gets blowjobs? Parp. And you know how he gets them? By pretending he's in it for something bigger than the blowjobs. The crafty fuck.
Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side. Copyright 2024 by Dan Wrench.